Hey everybody, this is Steve Thomas. Welcome back to Budge. Today I'm going to have a conversation with my friend Lisa Austin about what I call the leadership spice. It is that one thing that studies and research have come back to prove that sets effective leaders apart from, well, the not-so-effective leaders. That one thing, emotional intelligence. It's a fun one. Hope you enjoy it as always. I hope you take something out to help you be better. Well, everybody, welcome to the ninth episode of Budge. We are going to roll through this today. I'm excited about this because this is a topic I love talking about. Uh, I don't spend a whole lot of my time when I'm on the road or when I'm with teams talking about emotional intelligence. Uh, but but, uh, but I, I do spend some time. I just don't spend as much time as our guest today, Lisa, is going to join us in a little bit. Uh, but I, I love the topic. And, and uh, while I don't talk specifically about emotional intelligence, I would say that most of the stuff I talk about dances all around it without using the phrase emotional intelligence. So I have titled this, if you notice from your emails, I titled this the leadership spice, the leadership spice. It's the, it's, and, 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 and now I, I kind of hesitate even calling it that because a spice is something you add that you don't really need. And so the more I got to thinking about this, I thought, you know what? I don't know that I can say that about emotional intelligence anymore. I think at one point I probably would have called it a spice. You can just add it to it to make it a little better. But I think this is something that, um, I think this is something you need. So uh, in the future, I probably won't refer to this as the leadership spice anymore. We'll probably call it the leadership necessity or the meat and potatoes of leadership. So I want to explain to you a little bit, and I'm not going to take a long time here at the beginning because I want to get Lisa on and, and hear what she has to say because she does a lot of emotional intelligence training with people around the country. And uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure her and I wind up saying the same thing. We'll probably just say it in a little bit different ways. But it all comes from the same heart and the same place, and it all eventually means the same thing. But this whole idea of emotional intelligence has been around since the early 1900s, which that in itself blows me away because, um, you know, again, going back to the fluffy stuff question, well, why didn't all this fluffy stuff matter years ago? It did matter. We just didn't talk about it. We didn't pay attention to it. So this idea of emotional intelligence has been around for a long, long, long time. And it was only until about 1985 up to about 1995 that um, that it really began to take root. And I think I think the original term emotional intelligence was not what was used. I think the original term was something different. But emotional intelligence was a term that started really becoming popular well, when Daniel Goleman wrote his book called Emotional Intelligence in 1995. And they began to do study and research on what it is that really makes people effective in, in their leadership, what makes people effective on their jobs. Um, and, and I think the common idea that most of us have had since we were kids is that your intelligent quotient or your IQ, your smarts, is what's going to really make you successful and effective in life. But I think all of us on this call know smart people that, uh, yeah, I don't even know what, I don't even know how I want to finish that sentence. Um, smart people that are really kind of stupid, maybe. I don't know if maybe that's, maybe that doesn't sound appropriate. I don't know. So maybe, maybe I'll edit that out before we upload this to podcast. 
smart people who know what they're doing, but they don't really understand how to deal with or get along with people. Um, and this is where emotional intelligence comes in. And so these guys have found out through research and study and that the EQ, the emotional quotient or EI, emotional intelligence, is actually what takes effective leaders beyond everybody else. And so, but now, you know, back to the question, what does that even mean? So it's kind of been interpreted as the intersection between feeling and thinking. And I think there's a lot of you on this call that probably you have been led to believe the messages you received about leadership or work or life for that matter is that feelings really don't matter. Uh, keep your feelings out of it. Uh, when you clock in, leave your feelings at the door and blah, blah. And uh, you probably know this. I don't, I mean, most of you on this call know me. I, that's kind of a stupid statement to make because unless you've been trained at Langley by the CIA to compartmentalize your emotions, there just is simply no way that you're going to leave your emotions or your feelings at home or at the door when you come into anywhere. So uh, it, it, it's, it's your feelings and your emotions are with you everywhere you go. Now, you can't let them control you. You have to control them. And that's where emotional intelligence comes in. So here are some, here are some testing questions for you. So think this through uh, for you and your leadership and do your best not to, uh, you know, put this on anybody else or think, oh, this is really good. I wish so-and-so was here to hear this, but try to think about this for you. Do you recognize the emotions you're feeling right now? Do you recognize and can you name the emotions that you're feeling from time to time? Um, can you manage those feelings without letting them overtake you or control you? Can you motivate yourself to get jobs done beyond, and this is important, beyond external rewards? Now, this is a piece of emotional intelligence that really fascinates me because, again, um, you know, this is that age-old question, is money a motivator? And, and, and a lot of people still hang on to the fact that it is, and it's been proven since the 1920s that it is not. Uh, but what is it that is the motivator? And those things come from more intrinsic or internal issues. So can you identify what motivates you from an internal standpoint? That's part of emotional intelligence. Um, and then do you sense the emotions of others? And do you respond effectively to those emotions? So all of that has to do with emotional intelligence. So it's not, uh, it's not a corny term. It's not a girly term. It's not a weak term. It literally is something that's very, very difficult to do, but it's also very, very necessary for us to do it. Emotional intelligence will help you manage conflict. It will help you deal with change. It helps you manage your stress. Um, highly emotional, uh, intelligent people have an easier time building connection coaching and leading effectively, improving relationships, resilience has been linked to emotional intelligence, um, as also has your, your physical health and your physical well-being. And therein lies now a whole, a whole nother conversation. So there's a lot to be said. So I am going to now stop talking about emotional intelligence and I'm going to start asking questions. This is Lisa Austin. Lisa is coming to you live from Denver, Colorado, where she lives. And uh, Lisa does uh, what I do, and she helps organizations 
and uh, uh, just in communication and culture and team and people and all those kinds of things. And Lisa and I have done some conferences together before, and she's always fun to work with. We've never actually done a conference like together in the same room, which that would be cool. Yeah. But uh, we've been at the same conference speaking in different rooms before. So Lisa, thank you for being here and welcome to Budge. Yeah, thanks. I've been really enjoying being part of the, the Budge community the last couple months, right? So yeah, when you asked me to share the screen with you today, it was quite an honor. So no, really that'll be fun. Thank you for that. And it's the first time I've heard the phrase Budge community. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. You, right? I guess. Yeah. So I guess the next step is now t-shirts. Right. Yeah. Budge t-shirts. Budge yeah. headbands. Budge masks. Yes. Yeah, budge, budge around. So um, I, I kind of want to just jump into this because I'm real anxious. Sure. And so yeah. like, my, like my, my, my normal tendency is to like, just talk about life and how you doing and is it snowing and, right. but I'm pretty anxious for this. All right. So I'm like, I've been like a kid in a candy shop for the last Me too. two days, just kind of yeah. wanting to get to this stuff because, um, you know, in, in prepping for this, I pulled out some old stuff that I've used in the past with emotional intelligence. And now I have more work to do because it has taken me on some new, some new journeys with emotional intelligence. Exactly. Um, you, can't, you can't get just a little interested in it. There's so many rabbit holes and yeah. so many, and just like, you know, I think when we first started talking about this, we talked about your analogy of the iceberg, right? Yes. So the yeah. I, IQ is up there at the top, right? And then yeah. EQ and all those other things that make great leaders and all that are below the surface. And EQ is one of the biggest things below the surface. Yeah, it is. And I think it's one of the biggest things that we don't pay a lot of attention to because it may seem, uh, well, it may seem fluffy. fluffy. Uh, it may seem unnecessary. Yeah. This work, what does this have to do with work? And I think there are a lot of reasons. It's scary. I think it's scary, especially for men to talk about emotions because you know, most men don't even want to admit that they have emotions. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a lot of stuff that keeps it buried. Right. And this is why I'm so thankful for, you know, Daniel Goleman and the others who have done this work in bringing this to the, to, to, to the forefront. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on this, Lisa, but it feels like to me that most of the research I read on motion intelligence is actually done by men. Yeah, you know, the the, um, the the big book, you know, where you get the assessment and all that, there's yeah. Jean, Jean Greaves, she's a, a woman. Yeah. Um, so there, there is, there are, you know, women out there that are um, really smart about yeah. emotional intelligence. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think you and I talked about that, the AMA, when we talked, when you got that list of emotions and all that, yes. that was put together by a woman, uh, a woman doctor, you know, yeah. so. So I think the list I got was actually put together by, by, by a man Oh, in, in that one. And yeah, it's, it's, but I, you know, and again, maybe I'm yeah. just making too big a deal out of that's something that's really maybe not a big deal, but I right. guess the point I'm trying to make is this is not just no a, a, a it, girl thing. And it's a myth. It's a myth that uh, people think that women are better at emotional intelligence or that they have a higher EQ than yeah. men. And, and that is a myth, you know, but, but men, you know, you have, we have that stereotype that the touchy feely feelings and emotions, yeah. you know, and yeah. I always think of Tom Hanks in a league of their own. There's no crying in baseball, right. Yeah. You know, or yeah. he want, he didn't want anything to do with emotions. Right. Right. 
Yeah. And just to clarify for everybody out there, whether you're listening or watching, uh, Lisa's a girl and, and I'm I'm a boy. So <laughs> I just want to make sure, <laughs> just clarify, um, you know, what that is. So, all right. So I don't want to confuse anybody with this. And and, and I'm, I'm a little leery to say this, but I, the reason I am going to say this is because if you get off this call and you start Googling, searching emotional intelligence, you will see all kinds of different spins and takes on emotional intelligence. And, and, and trust me, I've read hundreds of articles and probably five or six books on emotional intelligence. And again, I, I talk about emotional intelligence in some of my sessions, as, as you do. Um, and, and what I found, they all wind up saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, how do you package it? And so when Daniel Goleman came out with this, his book in, in 1995, he identified five different areas of, of emotional intelligence. Um, and I'm not even going to tell you what those areas are. You can find those. Later on, the book that you just held up, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, uh, which is written by who again? You know, this is uh, Travis Bradbury that yeah. I know a lot of people link in with him. You know, he's yes. a connection on LinkedIn and Gene Greaves. Yeah, yeah, Gene. So, but Travis is the CEO of Talent Smart, mm -hmm. and when they came out with that book, they now they simplified it, I guess, right? And they came up with four components of emotional intelligence and everything that Daniel and all those other guys said fits under one of those four. And that's what I want to explore with you today. Yep. So mm -hmm. I want to chat about just those four and I want to talk about them individually and, and why they matter, how they matter. And then maybe you can give us all uh, maybe one thing to do with each of them later on sure. to kind of just get better at those things. And so the emotional intelligence 2.0, if you don't have that book and you get it, there's an assessment that will show you where your emotional intelligence is and then they also have tips and techniques in the book of how to grow in the in the in the in the, in the particular component that you are not strongest in right mm -hmm. yes so and, okay and, so, and the good news is is it's not static you can take that eq test it'll give you you know 100 is the highest score it's an yeah. average of the four scores you get in each component and the the good news is that it can go up you can change it can't change your IQ, change your EQ, but the bad news is it can also go down. Yeah. If you don't focus, you can, yeah. you can go down in it's, EQ. It's something you got to pay attention to. And yeah. even for those people who it, it, some of this may seem quote unquote natural, and it probably is, you still have to pay attention to it and, in, and be intentional about it. Or as you said, you know, it's, it's, it's it, you can lose it. It's not going to work the way mm -hmm. it could work. I, I try to actually go to Talent Smart. Off, I told you this. I tried to go to Talent Smart to go through the emotional intelligence training that they do, and they wouldn't let me. Okay. Because you have to have, you actually have to have a job to do that. I don't have a job. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, they said, no, you can't. Only people who have jobs mm -hmm. with a real company can come to this. So, yeah. me too. I don't have a real job with a real company. So, I couldn't go. But someday, someday I may fudge my way in. So, all right, these four, these four components of emotional intelligence self awareness self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. Okay, now again, when you go to searches somewhere, you'll see all kinds of different wordings and frameworks and that kind of thing. It all winds up saying the same thing. And so some of the words, some of the framework you'll see will feed into this conversation. But those are the four we're gonna chat about today. Let's start with the first one, which it, I'm gonna say this about all of them, which is the most important. <laughs> 
Right. <laughs> I'll say, I'm going to say about every, every one of them you watch. I'll say, oh, this is huge. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. Lisa, what on earth does self-awareness even mean? Well, if you look in the book, it says it's your ability to accurately perceive your emotions and stay aware of them as they happen. Yeah. Now, we consider this kind of a foundational component because you need to be aware of them in yourself before we ever expect you to pick up on them in others, right? Yeah, that's right, that's right. And, you know, you and I talked a lot about emotions and feelings and emotions are, is what really, it, it's, it's what happens to us subconsciously. And then the feeling is the outward action of that emotion. And, you know, there's those five base emotions that you don't teach children. They just understand that they're angry and upset about something or they're sad or they're afraid or they feel shame, you know, they feel guilty about something. And that list of emotions and feelings that we were talking about, those are just degrees, degrees of the base emotion. Yeah. And And it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to identify and name feelings that you have. They are. It is. It's difficult to to name the emotion. You know what I mean? And and part of that for me is uh, because I I don't even know what they're all called. Right. But also it's hard to determine for me sometimes. Okay. I think I know what I'm feeling, but that's not quite it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an, it's an intensity, right? So if you don't know what it's called, you still, you can still kind of measure the degree to which you're feeling that base emotion. You know, you can be angry, but you can be irate or you could be annoyed. Like, you know, so it's still, it's, there's the intensity of the base emotions that, that we're talking about. Um, And, and it's not as important that you, um, be able to name it. It's just an important, it's important that you're able to feel it and then truly understand why. Yeah. And yeah. self-awareness isn't just like, oh no, I know what pisses me off. Oh, I know what makes me happy. Oh, I know what motivates me. But you've really got to get in touch with the why because then down the road with social awareness and relationship management, that the the why is really what's going to help you in those component components. So it it takes a lot of introspection. It takes a lot of um, understanding why you feel um, fearful or anxious in in certain situations or why, you know, the whining or complaining sets you off, you know? So um, it's, it takes, it takes a lot more than just saying, Oh, I know how I feel. It's the, why do you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. And, and typically, you know, anger is the one we talk about the most Probably we're going to talk about emotions right. and controlling it, you know, exactly. so, yep. so along that line, you say, okay, so identify, okay, you know, you're angry, right? Why are you angry? And more often than not, the first thing that comes out of somebody's mouth is, well, because they, they, mm-hmm. okay, hold you. on, hold on. Yeah. So now, uh, and, and, uh, you know, I, I, a lot of people on this, on this call, they, they've heard me talk about concern and control, but what you've done is you just blamed. You see, and you got to reel it back in and own your, and if you don't own it, you'll never grow out of it. You see? And so I get what they did and they probably shouldn't have done that or said that, but you have to be aware enough to know what they, what was the trigger there that tipped this. And so the next time it happens, you know, it's coming. Now you can deal with it, but you can't change what you don't know. And you can't change what you don't grow until you own. Yep. See? 
I was at, uh, I went to, I went to a two day conference on emotional intelligence in Chicago. This was about three years ago because I wanted more information about this. So there was an organization up there and they were, they were doing this and, and uh, our instructor for the two days, her name was Wendy. She's very, very good. Love sitting. I could have sat and listened to her for another four or five days. It was there two days. And once she laid the initial premise of the day and that kind of thing, every time we came back from a break or from lunch, she would go around the room and there were like 23 of us in there. And she'd go around there and she'd say, how do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? And we had to answer that question, you know, <laughs> one at a time. And so somebody would say, how do you feel? And they'd say, good. She said, good's not an emotion. Good's not a feeling. How do you feel? And you're like, and you, and you couldn't say something that somebody else had already said. Ooh, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, it's like, well, crap. I don't know how I feel. Like I thought I felt good. Maybe I don't feel good. And so, but you're happy. So you, you said, I feel excited. You see, I can identify that. And so every single break, she would do this, come back. How do you feel? So now you're ready for it. Now you're, but what you're doing is you're trying to, okay, I got to think this through. How am I feeling right now? And now you're identifying it. And I'm telling you, it was a pretty cool exercise. Definitely. Definitely. And then, then answering the question, why? Yeah. You're yeah. feeling excited. Why do you feel yeah. excited? Yeah. Why? This is new to me. This is interesting. This is, you know, so, you know, it's, it's not just knowing, identifying, it's understanding the why. Yeah. And then, and part of that is, and, and some people may be wondering, you know, why, what good does it do to be so self-aware? Well, so your, your, your feelings are not going to stay within you. And this is why it's a dumb statement to say, leave your feelings or emotions at the door or whatever. That's just, it's dumb. People say that they just don't understand the, the nonsense of that. But the reason is, and, and you tell me, tell me if this is accurate or not, because this is what I usually say is because of your tone, your facials, your body language. Are you aware of what you sound like and look like while you're talking to people? You see it? That has everything to do with the next component, the self-management regulation control. Yep. But you can't can't manage it if you're not aware of it. Yeah. So part of of what Daniel Goleman said, he he, he actually labeled motivation as one of the skills of emotional intelligence. He He didn't label it as a component. He labeled it as a skill of emotional intelligence. So this motivation, as I read that question earlier, do you know what motivates you internally? And so, like, for example, I will ask this question sometimes with teams that I'm working with, you know, why do you do what you do? And typically the, the general answer is, you know, money, paycheck, whatever. Yeah, there's got to be something deeper than that. That's the external, the right. Everybody's got to have it. But why? Yeah. Why do you do this? That's part of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. Why do you choose to lead people? And I have found that question messes with people. Why do you choose lead people? You got to be aware of why you lead people. And now the other components that we'll talk about, now you can do those things in a, in a better way. Yep. So. Knowing, how, knowing how you deal with conflict, like that's a big thing about self-awareness. You yeah. can do a conflict assessment to see if you're a negotiator, an avoider, and a, you know, all those boxes that you get put in when you do those assessments you know um knowing your strengths and weaknesses but really oh, that's knowing, good 
you know, about them. And, and it's, it's taking all of that time to reflect. It's, it's knowing what your hot buttons are. So some people, you know, in NLP, neuro linguistic programming, they call it triggers, you know, and it's, and you could be on a path of leading and being motivating and stand. And then once you get triggered, those triggers are what take you off your path that you were that you were on. And again, self-awareness, you're going to understand the trigger. You're going to feel it happen probably physically, but then with your self-control, with your self-regulation or management, you will then take a different path than if you weren't, you know, practicing high, high emotional intelligence. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's awesome. That's all. That's a great illustration. So without that, we can't do the second opponent, self-management. Right. So self-management is, what is that exactly? Is that, that's, is that basically just what you do with the feelings that you have? Yes, it is. Again, understanding the outward, um, you know, uh, the outward expression of your feeling because feelings aren't wrong. Feelings are not wrong. They just happen. They're not right or wrong. What's right or wrong or what's the result we don't want happens if we aren't aware of the second component. So we want to positively direct the emotion, the feeling. Yeah, right. um, it's not bad. It's not good. It's not what it's what you do with it. Right. So we're measured by our actions, the results of our actions. And so, 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 so get a practical illustration of relationship, or I'm sorry, of self-management. What, what would, what would that be? So again, understanding your, your hot buttons. So if I'm trying to have a, 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 a great conversation with one of my daughters and those of you on the call who know, I have those two, two kids of mine that, um, we, we talk about important things at the ages of 23 and 24 and my hot button with them since they were little babies has been the whining, right? Whining is a trigger for me where it causes my voice to rise, you know, my volume to rise. It causes my tone to change, causes my facial expression to get, you know, the eyebrows furrowed and all that. And then all of a sudden my children aren't sharing with me anymore. All of a sudden, my children are like, you always do the same thing. You, and we are fighting instead of talking. Right. I, over the years, again, I try to practice what I preach. Be aware that when Alyssa starts placing blame and whining about why she can't do something or won't do something, I have to make sure that my self-control is watching my facial expressions, my tone, my body language. of our message is in nonverbal. And when I'm listening and I need to remember to shake my head, keep eye contact instead of throwing my hands up and looking the other way, because I'm saying a lot without saying anything at all. So if you, you know, so that to me is a practical application, being aware of the trigger and then being aware of the control, the regulation, the management of how you're really feeling. So that it, you can guide it to a win-win. You can guide the call to a resolution, to uh, to continue listening, to continue understanding, you know? So that's awesome. We did, I should have told you this first, we did a study and research the people who log on to Budge and none of them work with people or around people that ever complain or whine. Oh my gosh. Okay, so, so then that wasn't yeah. a good I know that wasn't a good illustration because I don't know if anybody <laughs> can identify with that. But you know what? They can probably put it in another context. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I, I think they're smart enough to put it in another context. So yeah, but it comes with the self-awareness first yes. and then the management second. Yes. Mm -hmm. Management. So, so what happens and, and, and I'm, I'm kind of a brain science freak. Um, and I've done a lot of exploration of this over the years. What happens when is an amygdala hijack? And yes. so, so when I hear something, that's that trigger, yep. or I see something, that's that trigger. The, the, the limbic part of my brain, the emotional part of my brain, and it, it and the amygdala that controls, helps me control my emotions, it's hijacked now. Mm -hmm. And I can't think properly in, in the prefrontal cortex, right? And so right. that I respond, and all that feeds into this whole idea of just controlling that. It, and it's and I love that you said this. It's okay to feel it. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But don't feel it and do something stupid. I, so uh, here's a question I've asked people. Is it wrong to be angry? No. Is it wrong to be angry and do and say stupid things? Yes. Yes. Is it wrong to be happy? No. Is it wrong to be happy and say and do stupid? Yes. You know, s turning a car over and setting it on fire in the middle of the street because your team won a national championship is stupid. And they're like, no, we're celebrating. No, you're an idiot because good example. That's not in control of that emotion happiness, right? And so um I, all that all that feeds into that whole management thing. And, and this prop, this may be the one I think that people think they get in trouble with the most, but it stems, I think, maybe from that that self-awareness first, you know. And really, even just a more subtle example of that as leaders, if you're not aware of your dominant style and who you're leading their dominant style, it can be conflict can arise just with you telling somebody to do something versus asking them, you know? Yeah. So if, if you're a leader that says you do this and you do that, you know, you may be causing that conflict with somebody who's different and all they want you to do is ask, you yeah. know, instead of tell. So that's subtle, but it's all about awareness. I found this quote, I've seen this a lot before, but this, I think this, this fits Aristotle who, uh, you know, is, uh, several hundred years old. He said, anybody can become angry. That's easy. Yeah. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose in the right way, that is not within everyone's power. And that's not easy. Yes. So it's managing that thing. I love that. I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal it from Aristotle, but you know, cause one of the, one of the things that we, when we do our workshops on emotional intelligence is that you can over regulate, you can over self-manage as, as a leader. Right. And it's yeah. finding the right way to express your disappointment or your um, concern or your um, upsetness about something. And, and that, that quote speaks directly to that because there are leaders out there that over-regulate and they don't get the, they don't boost morale. They don't get the troops to follow them. They don't, um, the problem keeps, yeah, inspire or the problem keeps happening because they're not sure how to tell a person that they're wrong or there's a better way to do it. Or so, so you can over-regulate, which is a problem as well. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. So this leads us to the second half of the components. Yep. And it feels like maybe that when we start talking about these next two, we actually shift gears 
and I guess we do shift gears, but we don't change direction at all. And I think this is important for people to see how these feed into one another. Mm -hmm. So self-awareness, you, you can't manage unless you're aware. And then social awareness, which I got to tell you is probably my favorite of the four. Notice yeah. I didn't say it's the most important anymore, but I say it's, it's probably my favorite of the four. Um, it's probably the one I love talking about the most is this whole idea of social awareness. Social awareness. My kids, I got three, you got very young kids. I don't, my kids are all, my youngest just turned 28. So you said very young kids. Yeah, you have young kids. Yeah, your, your kids are still pups. My kids are all almost in their thirties. Yeah. But when they were younger and, and not too much younger. So they, I would say my daughter was probably, let's see, she, she was probably 19 or 20 at this time. And we went to Arkansas. We go to Arkansas every year. We went to Arkansas. And, and so it was me and Deb and the, the three kids. And I have two boys younger than Tristan, but only about two or three years younger. So these are all older teenagers in go, going into adulthood. And we're at the Creek where we go every year. And Tristan is holding her drink and, and she had been gone. She'd been away at college. She'd lived in Australia for a year and she's back. And we're, so the boys are just picking on big sister and they're taking these little rocks and they're throwing them. And it's it, they're trying to get it in her cup. Well, it's hitting her in the neck and sitting her in the head. And she took it for a while. And all of a sudden she just started bawling. And this is my little girl. Yeah. And I looked and the guys were on a little cliff, about a five foot incline cliff. And I looked at them and I said, are you guys really that socially stupid? And then almost everybody just lost it. Like, dad, really, you can do a leadership lesson right here in the middle of all this is like, <laughs> but I mean, really, can you not see what you're doing here? You know, it's building, building, but they couldn't see it at all. It's like, please don't be that socially stupid. So. Because they were really self-aware that they were enjoying that. They were enjoying the, it. Yeah. yeah. So the, the social awareness is your ability to pick up on the emotions in others. Yes. You know, it's your ability to understand why she would be upset and feel picked on and physically yes. hurt or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you're approaching adulthood here. You know what I mean? You should by now know better than this. And of course they don't. And of course, then there's apologies and I'm sorry and, you know, everything. Yeah. You know, whatever. So this, so what are some things that fall under the whole social awareness? Like what are some specific skills that fall under social awareness? So I think as leaders, you know, one thing that I think of when I think of that social awareness is, you know, the people that are real good at picking up on the elephant in the room. Yes. You know, the people who can listen between the lines, you know, it, yeah. it takes a special skill. It takes high social awareness to be able to, to do that, you know, be yeah. able to bring up, you know, speaking of budge, right, you know, the elephant in, yeah. in the room. So I think that's what I think that's definitely a social awareness thing. You know, we talked about the difference between sympathy and empathy. People with high social awareness are able to empathize, which the true definition to me is able to put themselves in their, in the other person's shoes. Right. You know, right. so if your, if your boys were working on that social awareness and they were putting themselves in Chris Tristan's shoes, yeah. you know, they'd be able to say, Oh, I would hate that. That would piss me off. That would, you know? Um, so social awareness is your ability to, to understand 
by using all of your, um, you know, your, what am I trying to say? Your, your ability to research your, yeah. your eyes, your ears, your questions, your, right. you know, all that. So, right. So that, so, so empathy, I had a guy tell me one time, either you have it or you don't, you believe that? This is, that's, this is deep, you know, um, I'm going to say probably we all have it. It's just our ability to use it. And I know you're going to share that you don't, you, you want to hope you have it and don't have to learn, right. You don't want to have to be in a situation where you, um, then say, Oh, I should have empathized. I should have had some empathy. I should have. Yeah. Yeah, no, you don't want to be in that position. That's a horrible position. That means something bad has happened to you that now it's coming back to you. And that's yeah. bad. That's yes. bad. So I, I personally don't believe that either you have it or you don't. I personally believe that you can practice empathy. Yes. I, I also believe that some people probably need to work really, really hard at practicing empathy. But I still believe that you can practice it and it can grow and you can get better. I also believe that it could be, so I've talked a lot, of, I think I talked about this a couple of sessions ago, um, that I think we've done a fabulous job over the last 100 years of dehumanizing the workplace. And I think that lack of empathy has been part of that. Yes. I think when we don't practice empathy with people, I feel like that we dehumanize them. Yes. Not understanding that they have things that impact them, you know, personally and professionally, you know, inside and outside of work that, that affect their ability to do a good job or their ability to connect, yeah. their ability to share or lead or manage, right? Yeah. And I, I love that you said uh, um, uh, the elephant in the room and, and paying attention to the elephant in the room and, and reading the room, you know yes. what I mean? So, so yes. you walk in, like I've seen leaders do this and I've been in sessions where leaders will walk in and it's tense, man. And I feel it. And the body language and the tone, the facials, all that is like, and the leader doesn't see it at all. And they just, they just roll right on with, and I'm like, dude, are not you effective. really yeah. not, not aware of what's going on? There's nothing there. And I just want to like, okay, stop for just a minute. Look, you really don't see it. And the truth is they don't see it because there yeah. is little, very little, if any social awareness there at all. Yeah. And, and leaders that are high in social awareness, um, you know, they have real high performing teams. They build strong relationships with internal and external customers. And, yeah. um, you know, that that whole um, ability to, to empathize is where the relationship management comes in. But you got to be aware of it first. Right. Yeah. You got to be aware of you've got as a leader got to be able to pick up on the communication pie again, the nonverbal. If you have a if you have employees that's wringing their hands or have their you know looking down, not making eye contact, pacing outside of your office, like you have got to be able to be socially aware that this person's going through something right now, right? Or they are experiencing something that you need to be be more aware of by asking right. questions, by by saying, "Hey, I I realize this is happening to them. If I were in their shoes, how would I feel?" Where would my work suffer? What support would I need? Um, so the social awareness, like you said, it's your favorite. Um, it's probably my favorite too. You know, the, these two components, but you've got to be high in self-awareness yeah. to be yeah. able to pick it out in somebody else. Right. And, and I think that's, 
you're absolutely right. You're yeah. absolutely right. There's a, there's a West African saying, speaking of the, um, the communication pie, for news of the heart, ask the face. So if you're truly care, a caring leader and you want to know how somebody's feeling in their heart, look at their face, yeah. you know, they're gonna, yeah. you're going to know. And your ability to pick up on the downturn in the thing and the, and the placement of the eyebrows and the, and the, you know, the clearness of the eyes or not, you know, you're going to really be able to understand the heart. Yeah, there's so much there. There's so much yeah. there. And, and, and just, um, so the ability to sense and then explore it a little bit and practice curiosity. That 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 may be a relationship management um, skill. Yeah, is curiosity, right? right. Mm -hmm. So there was this. I was doing a public session years ago, and there were about twenty people in this session. And a guy named John. John was probably about twenty-eight years old at the time, and we're talking about this stuff. And he says, "Hey," he said, "I want to tell you the story." He said, "I worked in a," he he worked in a. a he worked in a job. I won't tell you what kind it was or whatever. He was just in this job. And, and he said, he said about three weeks, four weeks, he said, I, I wasn't my best and I wasn't doing everything that I should have been doing. And so my boss caught it and he come after three or four weeks comes to me and he says, Hey man, he said, John, he said, you know, you, you need to step it up. You know, you're not doing everything you should be doing and this and that. And he starts naming things. And John said, you know what? He said, I'm really sorry. He said, I should have told you this about four weeks ago, he said, but four weeks ago, my wife was diagnosed with MS. And it, it rocked this kid's world. He's 28 years old. You don't want to hear that no matter what age you are, but at 28 years old, and his boss says, John, you know what? You're just going to have to suck it up and get your work done. Here and comes I, anger again, Steve. Just, I know. It's like, oh, man, yeah. you want to talk about amygdala hijack. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm like, okay, everything in me want to say, please take me to your boss right now. Well, he didn't work there anymore because about four more weeks and he's out the door. And do you know that I've shared that story with people and I get this blank look on people's faces like, well, he does have to suck it up. And I'm just thinking, yeah, Dude, yeah. you need to wake up. There's a measurement. Yeah, of you need to wake up. So that takes us into relationship management, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the fourth mm -hmm. one here. Yeah. Um, so explain that a little bit and what that looks like. So the relationship management comes after, you know, it's the last component, right? It is your ability to utilize the awareness of your emotions and utilize the emotions of others to really impact your interactions, impact your questioning and listening, impact the relationships. And I think everybody on this call will say that they're in the relationship building business, no matter yeah. what the building is, yeah, what your right. business is, you, you need relationships to be successful, to thrive, to work together. To So this is really the, if, if we were going to pick an important component, the most important component, this is kind of like the culmination of bringing up your scores and the other three components. And then this should happen the most naturally, but it's the most important. And it is um, the demonstration of empathy because a lot of people will say empathy is action. So I can feel like, oh, this person will feel like this. I can put myself in their shoes, but the relationship building is the action. It's yeah. the action of empathy. It's an offering. It's a listening. It's a, you know, how do you, um, you know, how do you listen to a customer's complaints and then fix it? 
you know, this is, that's what you do in, in the relationship building is you act on the empathy. So some skills would be building connection with people, mm-hmm. encouraging people is relationship <laughs> management, right? Yes. yes. Um, I, I, I know this may not sound like it fits, but humility to me seems like it kind of fits under the relationship management. Yeah, you know, it does. You know, being humble, um, you know, is always one of those skills that I think everyone should be working on. But when we, if we really want to work on relationship management and we're working on our empathy and our listening and our relationship building, I think just acknowledging other people's feelings. So, they may not say to you, I'm really disappointed or frustrated or whatever, but if you're good at social awareness, you can hear it and you can say, I can tell you're frustrated about that. Like acknowledge their feelings instead of just say, well, this is how we're going to do it now. And that should fix the problem. You know, we really need to, we can't skip the step of acknowledging feelings, putting a name, a name to what you're, uh, hearing or seeing. Um, I think another thing we can do is um, remember the little things, you know, how they say manners and using somebody's name and all those things build a connection real quick. And the little things build the relationship. So remembering somebody's birthday, remember somebody's, you know, um, wife that has MS, you know, just though, and that's not a little thing, but you know what I mean, you know, um, tuning into uh, somebody's um, life. Yeah. Consider that. Yeah. yeah. Say, how about, how about just remembering their name? Yeah, that's saying that using somebody's name, saying <laughs> please and thank you, even though it's their job. Oh, it's yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. There was a study done years ago at a bank and they asked, they asked people at the bank because there was high turnover at this bank. And they said, what would make you stay longer? And the people came back, the survey came back to show people would stay longer if leadership would say, please and thank you. There you go. It's like, really? It there really is go. that simple. <laughs> yeah, it really is that simple. But you know what that is? Lisa, again, it's humanizing people. Yep. It's yep. humanizing people. And, uh, and I don't know where this whole idea came from that work is one thing and life is another. It's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But um, and maybe that's because I don't have a job. So I know what some of you are thinking, dude, if you had a job, you wouldn't be thinking that, but, um, I, 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 just, I, don't, I, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. So yeah, bit, I know that, I know that through this call, you have shared some things that we can do and, and I've probably overlooked it and, and, and failed to say, okay, that's one thing we can do. But, um, is there anything else you can think of any four of these components that, that you can you can give us an idea of, of how to improve in any of these? Sure. You know, I think you even said it, um, uh, it with self-awareness, you know, set a timer and, and really just whether you want it to go off every two hours or whatever. But when that timer goes off, be, take a moment to be introspective. How am I feeling right now and why? Right. But really name it. Like you said, Steve, don't just turn off the, the you yeah. know, the timer. Maybe yeah. you're annoyed because the timer went off in the middle of, you know, something you were working on and, yeah. and you're annoyed because it's an interruption and you've been working on that. But but sometimes just doing that and just taking a moment to say, how do I feel right now? Like, what am I? Yeah. I like that. I like so that's that. a good one. Um, you know, with self uh, management, that self-control component, you know, the counting to 10. I know it sounds like an old, you know, adage that young parents are told and all that. But if you really take a moment 
to count to 10 before you respond, it's going to do you it's going to do you a world of good because um, a lot of times the results of our just responding without thinking about it, yeah. you know, think before we speak, think yeah. before we, you know, act. Um, so, so, and you know what? I was, I was, uh, my counselor, I, I went, I saw my counselor um, actually Tuesday. It was after I talked to you. I, I not because I talked to you. But. <laughs> good. So I, I spent a couple hours with my counselor and we we're talking about some thinking issues. And she said this, and she said, she said, she said, sometimes when you, you have a thought and you it's it, and you're going to a bad place, whether it's negativity or grief or whatever it is, um, if you just take a moment to count, she said, but this is cool. I've never heard this before. Yeah. She said, if you count out of order, like uh -huh. random numbers. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Uh -huh. and because, and I said, I said, well, I like that. I said, because you can go one, two, three, four, five, seven, nine, 10 in your sleep. But now you got to think 83, 25, 62. You know what I'm saying? And what it does is it gives that amygdala a chance to just calm down a little bit. And now you can think. So, yeah, that counting thing, it's cool. Yeah, I know. It is. It is. Um, I think uh, with, with, with social awareness, too, go people watching. Like, I don't know about you, but I always like to be in a restaurant or something and make up a story about. Yeah, right. You know, but, but it, but it helps you with that communication pie, that 55%, yeah. you know, make a story, go people watching, learn to understand what, you know, people might be experiencing by the signals that they, that, that they give you. Yeah, that's um, really you know, Acting on gratitude. If you feel it, say it, if you're thankful for something, don't be like, Oh, next time I talk with them on their performance review, I'll Love it. act on gratitude often. Um, you know, let go of the past. Uh, this is probably the biggest one with relationship management wow. and it's probably the hardest one, right? But again, if you're going to bring out, you know, the social awareness and then the relationship management, if you've forgiven something, if you've, if you've really like, try not to let the past take over, you know, when you're trying to build relationships yeah. and work, yeah. work together. You, so. you control it. Don't let it control you. And I really like that because I think sometimes even subconsciously we think, well, if that happened before, it's going to happen again. It takes up a lot of brain space. Yeah, it does. It, yeah. Man, that's really good. Yeah, that is really good. Well, uh, and then my last tip. Oh, you got one. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, is to get the book. I yeah, think there you go. $16 on Amazon. And what you get from this for that $16, the first thing you're going to do is take the assessment and it's going to give you a score for all four of those components that Steve and I went through. And then you can see where you're low and you're like, Oh, I better work on that. And then it gives you a chance to take it again, you know, later um, when, when, after you've had a chance to work on it. Yeah. Um, but the good news is, is you can improve it and you yeah. might be shocked at what, what your, your uh, number is. But just know that awareness is the first step to recovery in everything, right? <laughs> yeah, yep. man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Does anybody have any questions? You want to unmute yourself and ask any questions? Um, I'm not really great at reading chat box. So I just, if you want to unmute and go, um, and I know we've gone over our 45 minutes or a little bit. I figured we would. So I think we're all right. I do too. Oh, yeah. um, it looks like uh, Shonda Wood already ordered it. Yeah, I see you. that. Yeah. 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 She, she's, uh, that's very cool. Very cool. So, yeah. 
Lisa, thank you so very much. You're welcome. You're this welcome. Is, I could talk about this stuff for a long, long time. And we have. Uh, you know, we've had yeah, a couple. We have. And, yeah. and I do, but I just don't get to talk, uh, have this kind of conversation about it very often. So this is, and I've learned, man, I've, I've got some stuff I need to uh, write down and 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 use and, and work on myself because Me I don't too. think there's ever a place. Me too where you score high all the time on all of it. I think it's very fluid. You know? It is absolutely. But it takes that checking in, that checking yeah. in to understand where you are and where you might be. And then again, there's, you know, um, emotional intelligence 3.0. If you ask me when it, when, you know, that ego versus EQ. And I mean, there's so much out there. I, yeah. I think you mentioned, you know, just when I first really got interested in this in 2008 or nine, I did a Google search for emotional intelligence and I wrote it down and it was 185,000 hits. Wow. I, I Googled it right before we got on and it was 300, uh, where did I write it down? I wrote it down. It was 351 million. Oh my word. Uh, hits in yeah. 2021. Yeah. So it's not going away. It's, it's not going away. No. And, and like I say, it's been around for over a hundred years. Yeah, well, it's been around longer than that. It's just the study of it and the the identification of it is what you know. That's why, again, Dwayne, this fluffy stuff did matter years ago. We just didn't talk about it. You see it, so I'm going to let that go at some point. Maybe I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. So. I don't know. I, I'd like to meet Dwayne and have a conversation. Well, no, I don't. I, yeah, I'm, I don't know that you would, but maybe, maybe. <laughs> That would be kind of interesting. So, guys, thank you so much for logging on. I hope this is, uh, I hope it's been fun and I hope you have something you can hang on to. Uh, next month, we are going to talk about the middle blank issue. The middle blank issue. <laughs> and and uh, you'll, you'll be surprised. I probably won't talk specifically about emotional intelligence, but you will see how emotional intelligence feeds into solving that middle blank issue. So it's it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that too. But Lisa, thank you so so much. You're welcome, Steve. This has thank been you. great. Thank you. Thank it all of you for logging on. Uh, I am just thrilled to death every time somebody even logs on to Budge. So hope you enjoyed it and uh, take some stuff away to make you better. And everyone saying thank you. You're welcome. Yep. Thank you for for coming. Yeah, you're welcome. Keep doing good things. Thank you.